is the month of roses. Yes, and mine the month of marriages. All pleasant sights and scents, the fragrance of the blossoming vine, the foliage of the valleys and the heights. Mine are the longest days, the loveliest nights. The mower sieve makes music to my ear. I am the mother of all dear delights. I am the fairest daughter of the year. Welcome to Season by Season with Alexis and Kit, the podcast that celebrates and reforges our connection to nature and the passage of time. It's our hope that through prose, poetry, history, and sound, this podcast will help to inspire your interest in the natural world around us. Together, Alexis and I will be sharing observations of the seasons as we see them. We'll be looking through the lens of the 24 seasonal divisions, or mini-seasons as we like to call them, based on the progression of seasons in the traditional Japanese calendar. If you're tuning in for the first time, you may want to know a little more about what we mean by seasonal divisions, or what we call mini-seasons. Mini-seasons occurred approximately every two weeks or so, and were based on observations of changes within the natural world. These mini-seasons are what the Japanese call seki, the 24 divisions of the year. A new mini-season occurred every 12 days or so, and helped to mark the seasonal changes that were occurring in the land. For example, the mini-season that we are in now, spanning from approximately June 6th to June 19th, was considered a key time to plant rice and other selected grains. The term for this season is ear in grain, or as we will call it, the time of planting grain. Throughout the seasons, we use kigo, or seasonal keywords, to illustrate seasonal changes. This is an idea that comes from Japanese poetry. Alexis, this season highlights some of your favorite kiko, doesn't it? That's right. This season is known for fireflies, warming days, and the ripening of plums. I believe that these first few weeks of June are some of the most magical times of the year. In this episode of Season by Season, we'll discuss what's happening in the sky, in the ground, and in our lives during this special period. The time of planting grains begins when the sun rises from the celestial longitude of 75 to 90 degrees. In everyday terms, this means that the days are getting longer and longer as the sun ascends to the apex of the summer solstice, which lies just a few weeks away. During this time of year, there's still a newness to the summer season. The world is lush and green. The new green of late spring has deepened, and the natural world seems to be settling into itself. The forests have leafed out and are now dark and mysterious. Forests and their cooling shade provide a refuge from the warming days. But there is always the pleasure to be found in the sunny summer field. 
If you happen to be in Japan or other parts of Asia during this time of year, or a bit earlier, the flooded rice paddies which mark the countryside will be filled with young rice seedlings. In the evening dusk, a single butterfly hovers above the water mirror. Amid the summer grasses, a single flower mirrored in the water. Cool, cool, running into the rice paddies, clear water. The flooding of the fields typically occurs earlier in the year. And then, throughout the spring and early summer, the water levels are lowered to create a muddy soup into which to plant the rice seedlings. The time of planting grains is a busy and lively time throughout the countryside. Flute practice. The rice fields, one and all, so green. This lively poem reminds me of Hana Taue or ceremonial rice planting to begin the official grain planting season. Hanatawe, like other ceremonial plantings throughout the world, is performed in hopes for a good growing season and harvest. Nowadays, rice planting often takes place in the month of May. The traditional Japanese calendar we refer to in this podcast was based on a calendar system which followed the cycles of the moon. Today, most countries follow the Gregorian calendar, which is based on the movement of the sun. There's a difference between these two calendars, and sometimes seasonal events as described in the calendar tend to occur a bit earlier. The differences between calendar systems, combined with the gradual warming of our planet, which has led to shorter winters and earlier summers, exacerbates this difference in timing. Either way, in the traditional progression of our calendar, it remains the time of planting grains, and so Hanataoe, or ceremonial rice planting, is an appropriate kigo for this mini-season. I have to admit, I find calendar systems and the study of the passage of time fascinating. The calendar system can be a bit tricky, and the two of us are still learning every day but we'll share with you key information throughout this podcast to help ground our understanding of the season. As for Kigo, so far we've got newly planted rice fields and ceremonial plantings. And maybe we could also add muddy rice fields to the list as well. And maybe running water too? But you know, the newly planted rice is definitely a sign that the weather is getting warmer. And you know what that means, don't you? Hmm. Time to pull the fan out of storage? Warm weather means more bugs, especially mosquitoes. Now that you mention it, here in New York, we've had to start putting screens on our windows because mosquitoes do want to come in, especially at night. I can imagine. Mosquito netting and mosquitoes are a kigo for this time of year. Not to say you don't get mosquitoes all summer long, but it's now in these June months that you really must start taking precautions against them. The mosquito smudge is also a consolation, being alone. A matter for congratulation, I have been bit 
by this year's mosquitoes too. Smoking out mosquitoes, soon the fireflies are gone too. Now that it is summer, mosquitoes are going to be here for a while. But this last poem also brings up something much more beautiful and poetic than the droning mosquito, the mysterious and beautiful firefly. Within this mini-season is the time when fireflies first begin to appear on warm summer nights. I have to say that there is nothing quite so enchanting as fireflies. To quote Sei Shonagon, In the summer nights, not only when the moon shines, but on dark nights too, as the fireflies flit to and fro, and even when it rains, how beautiful it is. Now one by one the live wind sparks of night, like souls allowed to wander as they please through old loved haunts, go by between the trees in silent zigzags of altering light, and grow in number bodiless and bright, so that the eye too slow to count them sees nothing but fire all round, till by degrees quenched in the dawn, they vanish from the sight. And those more subtle sparks which they recall, the countless souls with which regret and love once people's death great night, are they quenched too? Has thoughts strong drawn which searches into all reached even them, unpeopling heaven above, to leave us nothing but the empty blue? This poem is about much more than fireflies, I believe. The small pinpricks of light on a fading twilight evening have a magical, yet melancholy sort of feel to them. Growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, I never really saw fireflies in the summertime. The weather here was too dry for them, I think. Fireflies love warm, humid environments, though you'll find them in drier places from time to time. I remember seeing a few during the summer when I would visit family in the Midwest. My grandmother called them lightning bugs. It wasn't until I lived in Japan that I saw the true wonder of hundreds of fireflies gathering at once. It was a truly awe-inspiring sight, these ethereal lights seeming to float on the air. I'm happy to say even here in New York City, on summer evenings, we can see the fireflies wafting through the greenery at the park just across the street. If you live in a place where you can see fireflies in the summertime, do make sure to take some time one evening during this mini-season for firefly viewing. Perhaps even a firefly viewing picnic. Sounds lovely. Sparkling fireflies. Even the frog's mouth gapes. The river alone, darkness is slowing the fireflies. Whether hovering over dark and mysterious rivers or rice fields, or lilting around the grass or in the shadowy bushes, fireflies are magical. 
fireflies also need moisture of another kind, not only from humidity, but also rain. In the United States and Europe, June may be considered a time for warm, balmy days, but in Japan, this time of year brings what they sometimes call the fifth season, the rainy season. Three raindrops and three or four fireflies. The poet Isa sees dark raindrops in almost equal measure to the bright fireflies. For all the dark clouds overhead, the rainy season bursts with life and activity. The abundant rains of this season help to fuel the summer scenery all summer long. The rainy season in Japanese is known as tsuyu, or plum rains, and occurs during a prolonged collision of cold northerly and warm southerly air masses, which result in rainy conditions over the archipelago for several weeks. Of course, it may not rain every day. It just tends to be more rainy than usual. And though it's summer, there can be some cool and damp days during this time of year. The misty rain and winds can chill the bones. They call this tsuyu summer, or rainy season cold. Even here in New York City, on our rainy, misty days, there's a certain type of damp cold that can really get into the bones. Sometimes I have to bundle up, even when the thermometer seems fine. We have a version of this coolness here in the Bay Area from all the fog that blows in from the sea. But you know, all these clouds can bring wonderful sunsets. Yes, clouds are key to beautiful sunsets. That's why rainy season sunsets is also another kigo for this season. Even though we don't have an official rainy season on the East Coast, summer and all the unique cloud formations do cause spectacular plays of light and radiance. And now, to share another aspect of the rainy season, Alexis and I are excited to introduce a new segment here on Season by Season. A segment we're calling Hiro's Corner. Hiroaki Sato is a translator, author, and former president of the Haiku Society of America. He has kindly accepted our invitation to join us on our journey through the seasons. Without further ado, here's Hiro. Haiku is the most popular poetic form, not just in Japan, but in the world. So you may think that uh, you don't really need any explanation, except perhaps that in Japan, almost all haiku writers stick to two basic requirements of the form. The inclusion of a kigo and the syllabic formation 575. Kigo means a seasonal word. Also, almost all Japanese writers write haiku in one line. In contrast, in the United States, haiku tends to be written in three lines with a total of number of syllables, often far less than 17, and sometimes without including a natural element. Here is one by the well-known American poet Alexis Rotella. Husband home from work. 
haiku for dinner again. The first line, husband home from work, haiku for dinner. Second line, again, third line. The seasonal word is mold, kabi. In Japan, it, it is of course heavily associated with the rainy season, suyu, which lasts for about 40 days from May to July. As a matter of fact, one of the several sets of Japanese characters for kabi means molding rain. A commentator notes that mold is an important part of penicillin, miso, shoyu, cheese, and so forth, so we should all be grateful to it. But as you can imagine, most people do not think of such things from the word mold. I have selected three haiku on mold today. Hakusei no washi no ganko nomi kabizu, which may be translated mounted eagle, only his glare never molds. This is by Takaha Shugyo. The next one is by a lady, a woman haiku writer named Yamada Hiroko. Kabi no kamo orosoka narazu shiryoshitsu. Scent of the mold too can't be neglected. The library. The last one is another woman haiku writer named Kuahara Toshie. Nure Zoukin Kotoshimo Kabito Tatakainu Wet Cleaning Cloth. This year too, I fight the mold. Mold haiku. Just go to show you. Poetic beauty in everyday things can be found anywhere, even in mold. Here's a more traditional kiko to our rainy season, and perhaps a bit more pleasant, I believe. Umbrellas. Umbrellas lend a sense of life and color amid the gray, misty days. With my umbrella, I part the branches of the willow trees. It's nice and cozy to stay inside on rainy days, but of course, that's not always an option. Particularly during the rainy season, sudden showers can happen. It's a good idea to always take an umbrella with you, just in case you're caught in an unexpected downpour. Especially in Japan, Umbrellas can be quite a fashion statement. Umbrella shops carry beautifully designed umbrellas with artistic patterns and bright colors. Lots of people have their favorite umbrella. Then again, there are also the ubiquitous clear plastic umbrellas that are available cheaply at any convenience store, just in case. There is something charming about walking through the city in the rain, surrounded by a kaleidoscope of umbrellas bobbing through the streets. 
summer rain, the 5,500th rented umbrella. Another nice thing about the rainy season is the somber skies make the green foliage look so vivid. In my opinion, foliage never looked so lush as during this time of year. In particular, one flower that is famed for its beauty throughout the world during this season is the hydrangea, or ajisai in Japanese. Hydrangeas are known for their large spherical cluster of flowers that can change colors depending on how and where they're grown. It's not uncommon for there to be soft blue, purple, or even pink flowers all growing on the same plant. Hydrangea, in the season of unlined robes, pale blue. Hydrangeas, pale blue in the rain, blue in the moonlight. In Japan, there is a prayer said by those who love hydrangeas. May the rains not cease until the ajisai flowers have come into full bloom. Hydrangeas grow best with lots and lots of rain. Because of this, they are a cherished sight throughout the rainy season. Watching the glow of flickering fireflies at twilight, love lingers all the more in a garden colored by hydrangeas. Fireflies and hydrangeas, this poem seems to create quite a romantic image. Yes, but you know, hydrangeas aren't the flowers I tend to associate most with romance. I tend to think of another flower that's in season right now, roses. Ah yes, as they say, June is the month of roses. Even though this flower is popular throughout the year, June is a particularly excellent month to see many vibrant varieties in vivid bloom. A sepal, petal, and a thorn Upon a common summer's morn A flash of dew A bee or two A breeze A caper in the trees And I'm a rose Roses have a long and colorful history. It is believed that roses were first cultivated in China more than 5,000 years ago. The modern era of roses began with the introduction of the hybrid tea rose, known for its elegantly shaped buds and long stems. These are ideal as cut flowers. I spied beside the garden bed a tiny lass of ours, who stopped and bent her sunny head above the red June flowers. Pushing the leaves and thorns apart, she singled out a rose, and in its inmost crimson heart, enraptured, plunged her nose. Oh dear, dear rose, come tell me true, come tell me true, said she, if I smell just as sweet to you as you smell sweet to me. After you have enjoyed your bouquet of roses, the dried petals can easily be made into a homemade potpourri. It has a lovely, lingering scent. Roses are, of course, known not just for their stunning blooms, but also for their captivating fragrance. Rose petals can also be used in tea blends, or sometimes even salads, as they're edible. 
What a versatile flower. Two feet tall, the crimson budded roses, their young thorns tender in the soft falling rain. Roses and their brilliant hues are a favorite of many gardeners. However, as we begin to enter the summer months, more and more color can be found in new and unusual places throughout the yards and gardens. Yes, the mild heat in these early summer days mean that more and more new types of fruits and vegetables are beginning to appear and ripen. Here in California, June is the big berry month. Almost all berries are currently in season. Boysenberries, blueberries, raspberries, and my personal favorite, strawberries. Strawberries that in gardens grow are plump and juicy fine, but sweeter, far as wise men know, spring from the woodland vine. No need for bowl or silver spoon, sugar or spice or cream, has the wild berry plucked in June beside the trickling stream. There's nothing quite like a fresh, ripe strawberry right off the vine. Strawberries have always been a popular summer fruit, so much so that the full moon of June is known as the strawberry moon. This season is the perfect time to enjoy these sweet treats. June-bearing strawberries are the most common variety of strawberries. Their harvest generally lasts several weeks during this month. Garden strawberries tend to be sweeter and juicier than what you'll find in grocery stores, simply because they taste best immediately after picking. Fortunately, strawberries are easier to grow than you might imagine. They like full sun and well-drained soil. Once the fruits appear, it's a good idea to place hay beneath them to deter bugs and rotting. With those tips, I think you'll find that there can be few things more delightful than a sweet, bright strawberry from your garden on a summer's day. Another fruit which is very particular to this mini-season is the loquat. The mellow orange loquat fruit ripens during this time of year, set off beautifully against dark, green, glossy foliage. Loquats originate in Asia, Central Europe, and parts of Africa. Their gentle orange color is similar to an apricot, and some say they taste like a mixture of peach, citrus, and mild mango. In Armenian, they call loquats Nor Ashkar, which means New World, as they usher in the spring season. The loquat's golden color is considered reminiscent of gold or wealth, and is quite auspicious in China. I have to admit, finding a poem about loquats was rather difficult, so I decided to write one myself. On walks through my quiet neighborhood, I would spy you, hanging out on the corner, or over a wall, dark, tall, mysterious, with glints of gold. I did not know what you were at first, but one day spied you on display, nestled between the grapes. Gentle loquat, to me you are the vision of early summer and the taste of all the promise that awaits. Oh, how lovely! Truly now it is the summer season and all the promise of summer lies before us. Our episode of Season by Season draws to a close. 
we've enjoyed this journey through the sky, fields, forests, and our homes with you. In the season ahead, be sure to take a moment to observe the lushness of all things around you, from the leafy forests to the insect life stirring all around. What mini-season can we look forward to next? After the time of planting grain season ends, the summer solstice season begins, but that's for another episode. In this episode, some of the Kigo or seasonal words we explored are rice patties and planting, mud, mold, mosquitoes, rain, sunsets, hydrangeas, roses, loquats, and fireflies. As American philosopher, ecologist, and conservationist Aldo Leopold said about the month of June, in June, as many as a dozen species may burst their buds on a single day. No man can heed all of these anniversaries. No man can ignore all of them. However, if you think we might have ignored a Kigo, email nourishingjapan at gmail.com with other words you associate with this mini-season, and we'll post them on our Facebook group. The works featured in this podcast are in the public domain, or with permission from their creators. If you would like to learn more about them, please visit our website, nourishingjapan.com. This episode, we would like to thank Jessica Lauren, Burnaby Ted Costales, Vicenza Surprise, Carl Smith, Russell Jones, Gail Wine, Farah and Jordan Brensinger, and Porfirio Figueroa for their readings today. And thank you again as well, Hiro, for your haiku insights. We would also like to thank Stuart Diamond for his composition we heard during our segment on fireflies, as well as Paul Lurea, violist of the Catalyst Quartet, who specially composed miniature themes for Archigo featured in this episode. We will conclude our episode with a full performance of this special piece. As this episode draws to a close, I'm reminded of the words by English landscape painter John Constable, who said, The world is wide, no two days are alike, nor even two hours. In the warming days of June ahead, go forth and enjoy the ripening promise and discover for yourself all the newness around you. Thank you for joining us on Season by Season with Alexis and Kit. Enjoy the sunny, rainy, and everything in between days in this season ahead. See you in another season.